Who does 72 months? That's six years. No interest financing? Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. That's who. Just order by May 31st. Set your free consultation today at PellaWI.com slash radio or 855-PELLA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. I was just sending a, a, a our, our general manager, vice president in charge of radio operations, sent out the, this email just a few minutes ago, and I was just issuing a quick response to it. And I, but I, I the, the the emoji I wanted to send back was the thumbs up emoji that because I I like the message there, and so I, I sent the thumbs up thing. But as I'm kind of looking at it, the thumbs up emoji looks kind of like perhaps a, another emoji. It, it's really the thumb that is raised, but you kind of look at it, maybe maybe you might be inclined to think it's something else. So I ended up putting thumbs up. I, I sent the emoji, and then I said thumbs up. In case there was any question at all, it was like thumbs up, exclamation point. It is agreement with what was in the uh, particular memo. All right, so glad to have you with us. Let me give you a quick update on, on something we talked about on Friday's program and and you just knew this was was going to happen it it's it's called the EBB and this was something that was tucked into some of the covid relief programs it, it's the emergency broadband benefit and starting last wednesday you are eligible to apply for this and the taxpayers the federal taxpayers will pay $50 off your internet bill. Yes, you you heard me correctly. It applies to almost all Americans, or at least most Americans. There is an income cutoff if you are a single taxpayer and you make less than $98,000 a year. Well, then then you you qualify for it. If you are married filing jointly, the the income limit is like $199,000. And my point, I understood why? Because of COVID, if you have people who've been adversely affected and don't have any money and they're struggling to lose their Internet, okay, I understand why we, we might be helping people out. For the life of me, I do not understand why taxpayers, particularly people on fixed income, should be underwriting the Internet costs of a family that makes $200,000 a year. It's just flat out crazy. And I had a couple people that would text me and say, well, you don't understand. I'm a single mom and I work as a waitress and, and I've got three kids and this will really help. And my point was, you're not the one that I'm complaining about. But $200,000 a year, the government spending $50, taking off 50 bucks of your Internet. Plus, you really want to call this the the Netflix benefit, because here's how it works. This $50 is only supposed to be applied to the Internet aspect of, of a bill. It's to offset the cost of Internet. But many, many people do what they call bundling. You know, you, you go through your cable company, so you get, for example, you get your, your cable and you get your internet and you get maybe your phone and it's all rolled into one. Well, th- this this 50 bucks doesn't differentiate. So let's say that your overall, you know, for your, your cable TV, including like HBO or whatever, 
and the phone and the internet, it's like 200 bucks. Well, all right, if that's what your tr- cost is, well, what the, the taxpayers, us taxpayers are going to send $50 to the cable company on your behalf. And it's not sorted out by internet versus cable or whatever. So essentially, the taxpayers are subsidizing people's cable TV bills. And, you know, now it's one of these deals where if you've ever wanted like HBO or Showtime or HBO Max or whatever, and you haven't been able to think you could afford it, well, no worries, because the federal government, thank you, President Biden, is now going to help underwrite your HBO Max. It's just absolutely crazy. It gets even crazier. There is a story today, and this is the follow-up, in the Washington Post. Okay, so the idea behind this whole thing is, of course, we, we want to help people who are struggling pay for their Internet coverage. Okay, got it. Well, here is the deal. This is what some Internet providers are doing. They are saying that you can't qualify for this $50 deal under your existing coverage. For example, let me explain. It might be, it might be that you have a plan that you logged onto that, that you started two, three, four years ago. I mean, and, and you've never updated the plan. It's what they gave you. It's what you signed up for when you first signed up for cable. It may very well be that that plan that you signed up for three or four years ago isn't available to new subscribers. If you follow me on that, it might have just been changed. You're kind of grandfathered in, so this is what you signed up for, so this is your deal. But if you were to sign up again today, you couldn't get that deal. So what Verizon is doing, Verizon is saying for many, many people, you if you want to apply this $50, you can't do it to your old plans. We are only going to allow you to do this to our new plans. So in other words, you will have to change your old plan, drop your old plan, sign up with a new plan that, wait for it, costs more money. So in the example they give in the Washington Post, that the guy's internet cost is like 50 bucks bundled, but but in order to get the $50 extra a month, he'd have to go to a plan that costs $70 a month. So it's still a, a benefit short term to do it. But what's going to happen is at some point in time, the federal government is going to discontinue this program. They're going to run out of, of money and it's probably not going to be, you know, re-upped. So what Verizon in this case will have done is they will have lured you into a more expensive plan that you're going to be on the hook for once the federal money stops so and and technically apparently it it, that's not that's not against the rules it's certainly against the spirit of the rules but it's not against the rules so not only is this let the federal government pay for your hbo max this is now let's have the federal government enrich some of these internet providers as well it's just a poorly thought out program no matter how you cut it when we come back panhandlers in wauwatosa we discuss. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Number of people are texting saying, how do you sign up for this? And I, again, I while I, I think it is a bad government policy, I will share this with you. That you, The way you start is there is a website called Get Emergency Broadband. Get Emergency Broadband dot org. I think if you would also just Google EBB, that's what this that's the, the acronym for this. It'll probably take you where you need to go. But get emergency broadband dot 
org, and it lists all the different categories that you qualify. But yes, despite what people are telling me, no, the way it works is married, filing jointly, the income limit is $199,000. But you do have to, in that case, the upper income limit, you have to say that you've been impacted by, by COVID. Um, and so maybe your hours were cut slightly. Maybe your, uh, your income was sl- cut slightly. You don't have to prove like job loss. Somebody said, well, if I didn't lose my job, they told me I don't qualify. That's not right. You just have to show and claim that you were impacted. And I think most people maybe ended up having to take a pay cut. Like I said, maybe ended up having to take an hour cut, but the vast majority of people are going to qualify this for which raises the question of, again, why should people, why should the taxpayers be paying for people, the Internet or the HBO Max for people who make $200,000 a year? And my answer would be you should not. All right. But the website where you start is getemergencybroadband.org. All right. If you are a regular listener of this program, you know one of my ongoing complaints is the fact that we in this, and it's not unique to Milwaukee. It is a problem in Milwaukee, but it is not unique to Milwaukee. We allow panhandlers to sit off out of out of freeway off ramps. We allow panhandlers to sit at major intersections all around our area and beg money. I think it is a huge safety hazard because all of a sudden you'll see somebody that'll be driving along. They'll see the person there with the sign that says, you know, homeless, please give me money. Somebody will slow down or they'll stop. I think it's it's just it's runs the risk of traffic accidents. In addition, you often see these panhandlers and what they will do is they will walk in traffic. How many times have you seen that? There'll be a red light. There'll be cars stopped. So what they do, if there's two lanes, for example, they get in between the two lanes and walk walk between the cars. You, you should not allow people to play in traffic, much less beg money. So that's number one. Number two, I, I just think for people who give these panhandlers money, shame on you, because I'm not saying that you should not be allowed, that you shouldn't be, again, engaging in acts of charity, but give the money to a homeless center. Give the money to your to a food bank. Give the money to your church to help people. Don't give money to people on the street because you have no idea how that money is going to be spent. And in many cases, not all cases, but in many cases, what you're doing is you are just paying people not to work because they realize there's some people, they're, they're just professional bums professional panhandlers who recognize, hey, you go out on the street corner, you make yourself look pathetic, and people will give you money that you never pay taxes on or anything like that. And then you you can make a decent living doing that. And when you give money to people like that, all you do is you increase the problem because it encourages more people to go out and panhandler. So those are two of the main reasons that I object to this. Well, they're having a huge problem, and the Journal Sentinel has this story, in, in Wauwatosa. And what they're finding is that there's a couple areas in Wauwatosa where they've seen a dramatic increase in panhandling activity. North Avenue at North Mayfair Road, right by Mayfair Shopping Center. Burleigh Street and West Capitol Drive and West Capitol Drive at Interstate 41. Now, in Milwaukee... You, you, you have this problem pretty much any time there is a, a freeway off-ramp. If our, our studios are on Capitol and Humboldt, um, if you go down to um, I-43 and Capitol, there are always 
panhandlers that are positioned at these various stoplights begging money. Um, if you go down, at least I haven't been in the, the area of Potawatomi for quite a while now, but if you got off the freeway there, there was always all sorts of panhandlers. And like I say, some are more aggressive than others. Well, in any event, you know, Wauwatosa says that just in the last couple of years, they've responded to over 400 complaints about panhandling. And what they're looking at doing, it's a little bit dicey because the, the Supreme Court says that panhandling is a form of free speech. And you just you can't just flat out outlaw panhandling if if you're going to allow people to do other things like in the median strip. So what they've done in Madison is they have this thing called the Madison Median Safety Ordinance. And what it does is it limits behavior on some roads in the city. The ordinance says pedestrians can't stand in some medians. It says drivers can't park, stop, or leave their vehicle in a prohibited roadway. They can't deviate from traffic or slow down unnecessarily. And so it applies to some intersections as well as the first 200 feet of intersecting roads. So this essentially means you can't camp out at intersections and beg money. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Not only do I think that this is an appropriate thing to do in Madison, where they have it in place, I think this is an appropriate thing to do in Wauwatosa, and I think it's an appropriate thing to do all throughout the area. Panhandling, in this fashion, it's no, it's one thing if you want to stand on a sidewalk and ask somebody for money. Okay, that, that's a different sort of story. But when you are doing it in median strips, for example, outside busy intersections like right by Mayfair Shopping Center, that is a traffic hazard. It is a safety hazard, and it needs to be stopped. 855-616-1620. Let's start with John in Milwaukee. John, good afternoon. Hi. Hi, John. Uh, I was... Uh how are you doing there? I just wanted to make a point here. I, I do drive. I do some driving for a living, and uh, I drive high, up and down Highway 100 all the time through Tulsa, Milwaukee, West Dallas, and I can uh, I know for a fact that there are a lot of the panhandlers that I've seen over the time that I know they live right down the street from where they're panhandling in apartment buildings. Yeah. Uh, I I also know of people. I as I'm driving, I see adults and. When you go by them week by week, you see them. Sometimes they have children with them. Yep. And there's there's different children all the time. <laughs> the same, the same handler, but different children. So a lot of it, I, I feel bad for the people that are hurting, but you never know who you're giving your money to. Well, well, thanks, sir. Right, exactly. And again, the, the point of this topic is not to discourage you from giving to charities. That, far from it. But rather than slipping a $5 bill to somebody who's got one of these signs off the interstate, give $50 to the area food pantry. Give $50 to the homeless shelter. Donate it to, again, your, your church. There's all sorts of things. I'm not arguing that you shouldn't give money to charity. Of course you should. I am just saying that giving money Money to the people that are standing on the streets is in many cases counterproductive. Jeff, the only thing I like about a cashless society is people will no longer be able to give these people money, get a job, plenty of them available. Well, the problem with that is, yes, there's all these jobs that are available, but then you got to show up and, you know, you, you, you got to work the different hours. And by the way, you have to pay, you know, taxes and things like that. Jeff, panhandling at the intersections and medians absolutely needs to be outlawed. Aside from the 
eyesore spectacle and more of a dilemma. It's a safety hazard for both drivers and panhandlers alike. Yeah, I mean, again, how often have you seen the panhandlers when it's a, it's a red light, like you're getting off the freeway and you're at that stop sign, and, and it's two lanes? How often have you seen them decide that they're going to walk between the two lanes to see how many different cars that they can reach? Uh, Jeff, why can't folks get a job? Everyone is hiring. Well, that's a good question. Jeff, leaving work, I saw a guy outside the gas station drinking a beer. Same guy was standing at the ramp off of 94 and 84th Street two hours later begging for money. Well, sure, but he was having a a cocktail um, before this. Um, Jeff, on Milwaukee South Side, there are signs up on the medians that read no loitering on medium and standing under it, there is a, a panhandler. Well, yeah, I understand that there's an enforcement issue with this, but it's a safety concern. It's a problem all throughout the area, but it's a huge problem in Wauwatosa, and they need to be aggressive. Jeff, I am a construction, and I work throughout the city. Often I pull up to a stoplight, and there is someone begging. I will roll down the window and offer to give them a piece of fruit or a bottle of water. I would say half of the people take it and say thank you. The other half look at me with disgust. Hey, Jeff, um, um, this is Eric and Racine. I would never give money. I always give them bottles of water, juice, oranges, fruits or something. But I would never, ever give money for this particular situation. Let's talk to Chris in Wauwatosa. Hi, Chris. Hi, Jeff. How you doing? Real roll. Thank you. What do you think? So uh, my wife and I used to live downtown Milwaukee, um, and there was a specific panhandler right uh, on North Avenue, right before the freeway, who tended to get extremely aggressive. He'd come up to windows shouting and yelling, um, and it made my wife extremely anxious. I mean, sure. we moved to Tosa now and see a lot less, but that, that you know those actions down there when people get aggressive can be pretty scary. Oh yeah, no thanks. There's no question. There's no question about it. But it's also dangerous. You know, it's dangerous when the cars stop or slow down to to give. I mean, you don't stop in a roadway and give somebody money. I mean, you know, if a car suddenly stops, it provides it provokes a hazard. If people are in traffic, it provokes a hazard. Um, Rich on the west side. Rich, you're on WTMJ. Hey Jeff, I work with uh, uh, the public Department of Public Works for the City of Wauwatosa. Yes, sir. And I work primarily a, a night shift, and I'm definitely afraid that I am going to run into one of these people with a snowplow or just sure. driving and, and working on the roads in general. Well, 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 yeah, because, I mean, for, first of all, you know, pedestrians don't belong on median strips by busy intersections. That, that's, that, that's just not what they were designed for. And so if, if you've got to ban everybody, I would say ban everybody from that. You're not supposed to be standing. And, and yes, that maybe that means that on, on uh, Labor Day, when the firefighters go out and they're trying to collect money, you know, and stuff, that they're going to have to figure out somewhere else to stand. But I, I think that's a small price to pay. You're, you're, you're right. I'm surprised more of these panhandlers don't get injured. You know, and and then I, again, I work specifically during the evening, and a lot of these individuals, they they wear dark clothing. And yeah. It's very hard to see them standing and resting on a on a light pole, for example, and it's it's just very dangerous. I if the city doesn't have an ordinance, I, I, if they do, I wish they enforce it, and if they don't have one, they should. Initiate right. one. No, thanks. Yeah, and, and Wauwatosa has an ordinance, but I think they've determined it's unenforceable because of a Supreme Court ruling. So they're, they're looking at, at doing something different that you need to do it. 
All the communities around here need to do it, and they also need to discourage people from giving money to the panhandlers. It does not help. It just makes the problem worse. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I don't think this kid is being treated fairly. What kid am I talking about? I'm talking about a 16-year-old named Caleb Kennedy. Who is Caleb Kennedy? Well, Caleb Kennedy is a 16-year-old who rocketed to fame in the last, well, couple months because he's on American Idol. Now, I, I am not... I really, even in American Idol's heyday, I wasn't a huge fan of American Idol, but lots of my friends were, so I ended up having to watch American Idol. But everybody knows the, the drill with American Idol. What you have is you have a bunch of, of, of young singers who try out, and it's a competition, and you have judges that advise them, and every week the, the, the public votes on who ends up getting eliminated. Well, all right, one of the five finalists, or at least scheduled to be one of the five finalists, was a young man named Caleb Kennedy, 16 years old. Suddenly, and this happened, what, last week, suddenly when when American Idol, you know, came back and he was supposed to be one of the five finalists, there was no Caleb Kennedy. And there was very few, there was a very little mention of why Caleb Kennedy was not there anymore. Did he get sick? Did something happen to him? They just were really very vague about this. Well, now we know why Caleb Kennedy was canceled by American Idol. Here's the deal. He sent out, or someone, someone found a three-second video that Caleb Kennedy, who is 16 years old, participated in when he was 12. So this is like four years ago. The kid is 12 years old. Here, here is the story. Apparently, according to this three-second video, it, it was sent on Snapchat. And it shows Kennedy, he's 12 years old, leaning against a wood-paneled wall, wearing a blue T-shirt and a baseball cap. After one second, he turns his phone to a friend who's sitting next to him. The friend's face was obscured, except for two cutouts for eyes, by, quote-unquote, what appeared to be a white KKK hood. All right, so it's a three-second video. People see it. Oh, here's here's Caleb Kennedy, and he, he's with, or at least endorsing somebody who who's with the Ku Klux Klan. Oh my God, we can't do this. We've got to cancel him. Boom. Doesn't matter that he was 12 years old. Boom. We're, we're gonna. Doesn't matter that we don't know the context of this. He's there with this kid who has a tw- with a KKK hood. Boom. We got to boot boot him off American Idol. So. Caleb Kennedy comes out, and this is what what he issues a statement. Um, Hey, y'all, this is going to be a bit of a surprise, but I am no longer going to be on American Idol. There was a video that surfaced on the Internet, and it displayed actions that were not meant to be taken in that way. I was younger and did not think about the actions, but that's not an excuse. I want to say I'm sorry to all my fans who I've let down. Um, I'm pray, I pray I can one day gain your trust in who I am and have your respect. Thank you for supporting me. So that, that's, you know, that's what he says. But the question is, okay, what, what was this, this video? Was this Caleb Kennedy at the age of, of 12 really, in fact, endorsing the, the Ku Klux Klan? And then, of course, the story becomes, okay, well, if he's 12, if you do something when you're 12, is it fair to say, okay, well, we're, we're going to cancel you at the age of 16? But the real story is a lot more complicated. And, like, his mom comes out and explains this. All right, the there is a movie. 
I'm I am not big into slasher movies. I, it just you know I'm I mean I remember watching the original Halloween when it came out and that then spawned all the the other you know those movies like that and then that you had like the Friday the Thirteenth movies with Jason you know the guy that wore the the hockey mask and stuff I just it's not that's not my type of movie but I understand that there's a lot of popularity with this all right well in two thousand eight. There was a movie called The Strangers Pray, P-R-E-Y, Pray at Night. And the plot of this was that you had this couple, this family that's vacationing at a trailer park, and they are stalked by three people wearing masks, two women and and a man. It's called The, the Strangers. Uh, then in 2018, they came out with a sequel to this because, of course, the world needs a sequel to Strangers Pray at Night. Strangers 2 Pray at Night. Same sort of thing. It's a slasher movie. And the, the, the bad guys who are stalking this, this family at a trailer park, they, they wear masks. And, uh, the three characters, one is called Dollface, and it's a woman who wears like this, this doll mask. The other is called Pinup Girl. She wears a, a mask of a pinup girl. And the third is, interestingly enough, called Man in the Mask. I am looking at a, I'm looking at the promotional picture for this now. Okay, Man in the Mask from Strangers Pray at Night is a guy essentially wearing a white hood over his face with eye holes cut in it. All right, that, that's, that. So apparently what happened here, and this is what the mother said, she said, look, this, first of all, he did it four years ago when he was 12. He and his buddy went out and saw this, this movie. The clip isn't referencing the KKK, but rather it's repre- referencing the, the movie Strangers Pray at, at Night. She says, look, this, the, the guy that he's with is wearing this mask that relates to this particular movie. And she says that this is the mom saying Caleb doesn't have a racist bone in, in his body. Um, he has friends of all races, says that this this was not this was not a tribute to the KKK. It was two 12 year olds who somehow saw this movie and they thought in a three second video on Snapchat it would be clever. Here, let's have one of the characters dress up as the, the bad guy in this movie. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As I said a minute ago, I think there's two issues here. I mean, first of all, if, in fact, this had been the kid posing with somebody wearing a KKK mask when he was 12 and now he's 16, all right, maybe you can make a case that, oh, my gosh, this, this kid is this racist and we can't have him on American Idol. How could that be? But if, in fact, it is true that this had nothing to do with the KKK and it was a you know two kids dressing up one of whom you know is playing a character in this movie they saw i mean is the kid being treated fairly and let us assume for the sake of argument that 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 is legitimately what this is that this is the, the kid wearing the, the mask out of the the strangers movie i mean it's I mean, if he was dressed up as, as Luke Skywalker, would we say, you know, no, you're, you're going to be canceled? If he was dressed up, I, I don't know, you know, as another movie character that has nothing to do with the KKK, should he be canceled? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Candidly, I, I think there's been a great disservice done to this young man. 
um, by not investigating and by not trying to figure out, hey, what what is really going on here? And if the argument is, well, there's some people that are going to look at this and they're not going to recognize that this isn't a KKK hood. This is out of this movie. Well, isn't that their problem? I mean, don't we have to look at what really happened here? 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. In some respects, this reminds me of what happened to all-star Milwaukee Brewers reliever, you know, Josh Hader, who back when he was in high school, you know, sent some really, really stupid and inappropriate things, tweets or whatever on, on the Internet. And then it, it surfaced as he was, you know, having one of his all-star seasons and, and everybody was all up in arms. And he said, look, I, I was stupid. I was in high school. I shouldn't have been saying these things. I apologize. In this case, the kid was 12 years old, but it doesn't appear to have been racist in the first place. Was he treated fairly? My answer would be no. 855-616-1620, we discuss. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, this is completely ridiculous. I'll never watch American Idol uh, again. Um, well, Jeff, it's unacceptable to have pre-team actions be the cause of something like this. Shame on the people leaking this video. More shame on American Idol. Well, right. And, and again, the, the reaction is, okay, it's a three-second video from when the kid was 12 years old. And as it turns out, and for the sake of our conversation, we'll assume that what the mother is saying is correct, that the, the kid in the video is not wearing a KKK hood. It's something that comes from this stupid slasher movie. Although some people are telling me that as slasher movies go, it's it's not bad <laughs> oh, that that that's okay um jeff preposterous and utterly ridiculous they clearly explain the content of the situation while also needlessly apologizing only thing caleb did wrong was the apology in my opinion but i i understand that i mean you're a 16 year old kid and now all of a sudden you are institutionally labeled as, as this racist that's all people hear hey he's in this three second snapchat picture and he's posing with somebody wearing a kkk hood where the truth is no that's not what this was was it was a couple 12 year olds and one is dressed up as a character from a slasher movie jeff in fox point jeff you're on wtmj hey jeff i think he's definitely not being treated fairly and this is starting a, a slippery slope that's even scarier than the movie and it's it's made me go through some of the halloween costumes i've yeah. uh, used in both my childhood and my misbegotten water street years yeah and I, I can think of at least one already that I, I, you know, would not be surprised now if somebody found a picture of and said, oh, Jeff was the Christopher Watkins continental character from Saturday Night Live with the smoking jacket. Okay, right. And, like, and right. he's a misogynist and you should not uh, hire him or, or employ him anywhere for the rest of his life. Well, right. You know, where, where does I was trying to think of, of, of examples like, for example, it is not uncommon on Halloween for kids to get masks of various presidents. So what if a picture surfaces of some kid who's from five years ago who's walking around an Obama mask? Is that now going to be, oh, you know, you're, you're racist. You, this is the equivalent of blackface. You were making fun of President Obama. You might, I mean, at, at some point in time, do we say, OK, it, it's Halloween or. Or, or do we at least have an obligation to try to figure out, Jeff, what the what, what what really happened here? Was the kid at a KKK meeting or did they just see the slasher movie and they were doing this three second Snapchat thing because it's what 12 year old kids do? Yeah, somebody should put out a memorandum or something saying, hey, uh, stuff like this is, is uh, can be given passes for or well, something. Right. Thanks. Well, I'm not even sure he needs a pass. Thanks for calling. I mean, my point would be you shouldn't need a pass for this type of stuff because you, you did nothing 
wrong. If again, you if there's evidence that at the age of 12, you know, he's attending a KKK meeting or he's secretly supporting this or he's even sending this out because he thinks it's kind of clever. If, if that's the case, well, OK, fine. You, you Then we have this question about is there a statute of limitations on bad behavior and when does that kick in? But at least if you believe the mom. And I haven't seen anything that suggests that the mom isn't telling the truth about this. If you believe the mom here, there, there wasn't even any sort of racist intent to it. It was a 12-year-old who, who sees a movie. Jeff, my, week, my wife and I are weekly American Idol watchers, and Caleb was my top pick to win this year. I know it sounds silly as a 50-year-old man. However, I was so disappointed they removed him from the competition. I do believe this is a prime example of cancel culture. This should also serve as a warning to make sure anything you may have done in the past to keep it in the vault at all costs. Um, yeah, Jeff, this is straight from South Park, where Cartman dresses as a ghost for Halloween and, and Chef runs off screaming. What? I, again, you, don't you have to look at, at the intent that goes behind something like this? And again, the, the kid is the kid is twelve years old. And now we're going to, we have now labeled him and, and this, we've hung this tag on him that is going to follow him for presumably the rest of his life that, oh, this is the kid that was kicked off of American Idol because he, he was a racist. And that's all people are going to hear that the headlines on this when the truth is, yes, he was kicked off American Idol, but no, there doesn't appear to be really any evidence that he was a, a racist at all. The, the other point, and I guess but, you know, we can say this and we can talk about it till we're blue in the face. And a couple of our texters, you know, did allude to this. The, the idea is that nowadays you, you have this thing that's called the Internet and stuff like that is out there forever. Maybe, you know, if this were, I don't know, 15, 18 years ago, let's say the movie had, had come out before Al Gore invented the Internet. And you, you know, the, the kid does exactly the same thing. He and his buddy are there and they've got their Polaroid camera and they take a picture and, and it's out there and nobody ends up seeing it. And it, it's no big deal. It gets stuck in, you know, a drawer somewhere or something like that. Nobody sees this. And if the kid goes on to, you know, be a finalist on American Idol, it's not going to be a big deal because nobody's going to know what's in his drawer. In this particular case, though, because he's a finalist on American Idol and because you, you have this Internet, you and who knows who, who found this. I mean, it's a Snapchat thing from four years ago, but you know there's all sorts of searches that are out there, and you know these things are, are there, so now it, it becomes this huge deal. So you, you, we can talk to we're blue in the face about this, but the truth of the matter is that that is how the Internet has changed interactions, because once you put something out there, it, it no matter what you do, it's always going to be out there for somebody to find, and if you're getting ready, for example, to have your 15 minutes of, of fame, like this kid, you know somebody's going to be actually out there searching and searching and digging and trying to find that that thing that they can then use to try to embarrass you or cancel you or whatever. If this kid, if there's evidence that he was a racist and a KKK supporter, all right, fine, you pull him off American Idol. But if he's a fan of a slasher movie and that's why he lost the gig, that's wrong. The cancel culture claims another victim. When we come back, let's wade in where angels fear to tread. We'll talk about where the mask rules stand. Stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. 
And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. In the last segment, we were talking about the, the 16-year-old kid on American Idol who got canceled because a, a picture of him from four years earlier when he was 12 surfaced. And he's standing next to somebody who's dressed up like a movie character, a, a slasher movie. And people say, oh, that he, the guy's wearing a KKK hood. So we got to boot him off of American Idol four years later. It, it is one of those things, though, that demonstrates how how, how social media and the Internet and this stuff is like there forever. So, so Mike Spaulding, you, you, are you on Facebook? Uh, yeah. Okay, got Facebook. Are you on Twitter? Yep. Okay. Do you ever post personal stuff on there? I mean, you know, like like pictures of yourself and your wife or things that you're doing and stuff like that? Um, I'm more of a consumer than I am a supplier of content, so I do not. Okay. Uh, but my wife does. Like, there's photos. We visited friends, and there's yeah. photos of us. Well, it, but it, it's always it's always kind of in the back of my mind. So, like, I, I I'm not on Facebook because well, I'm just I choose not to be on mm-hmm. Facebook. But I'm I, I do have, have a Twitter account through the station, and I would say 95 percent of the posts are are issue related things, things I'm going to be talking about on the show or or thoughts and you know that I share. But there are. You know, every I was looking back. You know, every six months or so, there's. I, I think sometimes people like to see behind the curtain, and I'll uh, I'll put up a picture of, hey, you know, we're we're at the uh, we're at the the kids to kids Christmas thing, and I'm it's it's a virtual Christmas thing, and I'm sitting in my living room with my dog, and mm-hmm. we're playing the trivia. Thing. I think you know things are like Absolutely. that. Or, or here's Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and I'm holding the dog. Well, okay, over, last weekend was my birthday, and over we we had a wonderful birthday weekend. Was at my uh, my brother's on Saturday night. Dear friends, you know, earlier. That day on on Saturday during the day, and then yesterday I was at a, a cookout. My stepdaughter and my son in law had a, had a little party, and you know their par- Darren's parents were there, and um, and we we posted a couple pictures mm-hmm. of that that are up on my my Twitter account. And there's a it's actually a great picture of my wife. She's just just it's an absolutely great picture of my wife and the birthday cake and things like that. Smart move to post it then. Smart well, move. oh, it's, well, but she takes a great picture, so they're they're all great pictures of her. Me, not necessarily, but so we put this all up on the Twitter account. But I, I do. It was funny because at, at one point in time, we were getting ready to take this picture of, of, of Fran and I standing there, and there's the birthday cake, and I, I hope you're not too offended by this, but I, I had a can of Miller Lite. I, I, I was drinking a Miller Lite, and <laughs> okay. and my son-in-law said, maybe we should move this one out of the picture. Because And, I'm, and they said, okay, that, that that's fine. So, yes, I, I now confess that actually if they had taken that picture 30 seconds earlier, there would have been a can of Miller Lite in there. But, it's, <laughs> but it is. You're, like, thinking about this stuff because this is going to be out there forever. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Who, who knows? Five years from now, we can decide that nobody should be drinking Miller Lite. And there was that Jeff Wagner back in, you know, 2021 doing that. I've I've thought about that before, or you know, or if there's just drinks on the table, you know, if you're a personal or a professional account, right. you know, do you post it if you're at Summerfest or or what have you? Um, wait, what's the Miller Lite thing? You don't you don't want people to know you're drinking Miller Lite? Well, that was the well, no, actually, and I I had no problem with it. It was somebody else moved it out of the bed. That was I like, <laughs> hey, you know, no 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 secret. I'm the guy that says if you're looking for a gift, bourbon always works yeah, really yeah, well okay, for me. Okay. You know, no, but so that but that was it. But it was the whole idea of. You, you're actually thinking about okay before you post this, you know what does this picture look like as opposed to just hey it's you know it, it's mm-hmm. my birthday and we're taking these pictures. It's like okay what is somebody going to look at and is somebody going to see something in the background 
or, you know, whatever, and then you go ahead and do it. But the, the cancel culture is so prevalent that there's just always people that are out there looking to find that that one thing that we can say, okay, we've got to pull the plug on you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, I think, when anyone goes back in time, especially now. We've had, what, Facebook for almost 20 years or something. Right. A lot. Like, it's, it, it's a lot of stuff. And I had it when I was in high school or early college years. Right. and. Would I do the same thing in the photos now that I was doing back then? No. But you know, you're not in high school not. anymore, right? Well, in the American Idol kid, he's 12 years yeah. old. Okay, this is, and, and it's it's not even like a lengthy posting. It's a, a three second Snapchat video with him standing next to a character from the, this movie that people incorrectly perceive as, as a Ku Klux Klan guy. And so now they boot him off American Idol. I guess the bottom line of this is just be careful what you put out there because it never goes away. Well, and at what age do you then have agency to do that? I, I would at 12 years old, you don't you're you're not anywhere close obviously to an adult. You don't like have agency. I I, I guess that's how I see it. Right. It, it's yeah, it's not like at the age of 12 the kid is is burning crosses on people's front lawns or anything like that. And and of course if he was, yeah, he deserves to be canceled and all yeah. that sort of stuff, but that's not what this was. Yeah. yeah. That that that's not even what this was. But people don't care about that. All right. Something people do care about. The CDC late last week uh, shocked, absolutely shocked, lots and lots of people by changing their mask rules. The CDC had been saying for months and months and months and months and months that when you were indoors, you needed to wear a mask. And they also had certain outdoor mask rules as well. Well, late last week, the CDC said, never mind. They said for people who are fully vaccinated, people who are fully vaccinated as a general rule, do not need to wear masks inside or outside. There are some exceptions, like if you're with a healthcare provider, if you're on an airplane. But but essentially, the CDC said there's no reason to wear masks anymore if you are fully vaccinated. This is a position, and I've been arguing this for a long time, that I think is consistent with the science. The science says that once you get vaccinated, your chances of being infected with COVID is extremely, extremely rare. Not to say it can't happen, but it is extremely rare. There are, I believe, no reported examples of somebody who is ace was vaccinated gets covid again is asymptomatic meaning you have no symptoms and then infecting someone else i don't think they have any cases at all that that show that now it, it's not to say it's not possible to happen in theory i mean you can walk outside and get hit by a meteor in theory but i have been arguing all along that the science says these vaccines work. It's one of the reasons why I believe people should get vaccinated. I got vaccinated. It's one of the reasons why I believe people should be vaccinated because once you get vaccinated, as a practical matter, you can't give it to people, you can't get it, and you can't give it to other people who are vaccinated. That's as a practical matter. And you do reach a certain point where now that vaccinations are readily available, essentially for everybody who wants one over the age of 12, you, you can get vaccinated. At some point in time, if you make that decision that you're not going to do it, well, you're, you're kind of on your own. It's sort of an assumption of the risk thing at some point in time. And for some people who say, well, we, we shouldn't be doing this till you get herd immunity, that's essentially saying we're going to wear masks for the rest of our lives because 
you, I don't think you're ever going to get to 70% if that's what herd immunity is or 80%. I just don't think that people are going to be able to do that, but it's an assumption of the risk thing. So I think what the CDC did at the end of last week was what we've been being told that people should do for the last year, which is follow the science. Well, it, it clearly surprised people. In the city of Milwaukee, they still have their mask mandate in place, despite the fact that the CDC says you don't need it. Milwaukee County, I believe, has that. More and more, though, other communities have now, based on reliance, following the science and based on what the CDC has said, they have dropped their, their mask requirements. And more and more retailers, regardless of what Regardless of what a local community says, retailers can always be more stringent. By that, I mean, you know, if, if for example, in Waukesha County, they, they don't have an indoor mask mandate, right? That doesn't mean that the Target stores or Walmarts or, or any of the stores doesn't mean that they can't have their own requirement. So even though it's not required by the government, businesses can say, hey, you got to have a mask in our, you got to wear a mask in our, our area. But one of the things that we have seen in light of the CDC rules is that more and more of the large nationwide retailers are dropping their mask requirements. Target dropped its mask requirement for fully vaccinated customers. Walmart has dropped theirs. Trader Joe's, Starbucks, Costco, and many, many other businesses. Now, again, if a local community like Milwaukee still says you've got an indoor mask requirement, well, that applies. But for areas where there is no governmental mandate, all these different big box retailers and other retailers are saying, all right, we're going to follow the science. We're not going to require you to wear masks. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Where are you at? Are you now comfortable going into a store without wearing a mask. So if you're at a Costco in Washington County, I don't know if they got a Costco in Washington County, or Waukesha County or wherever, and there, there's no government requirement, Costco now says you don't have to wear masks in our store, are you comfortable going to that store? Now, there's nothing that says, of course, that an individual can't continue to wear a mask. You want to put a mask on that? That's fine. Go, go in and, and you can do that. But chances are you are going to be surrounded by all sorts of people who aren't wearing masks. Are you comfortable going into stores now without masks? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As somebody who's had COVID, recovered from it, has antibodies, and has been vaccinated, I, I have no problem at all going into to stores. I, I feel comfortable. I believe the vaccinations work. I believe the science, and I am I am fine. Now, if the store requires me to wear it, I'll, I'll still wear it. But if there's not a requirement, I'm not putting it on. I am comfortable going into those stores. How about you? 855-616-1620. We discuss next. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. No pun intended here, but I, I really, I'm interested in taking people's temperature on, on the, 
the, the dissolution of, of the various mask rules, because I think the CDC's action kind of surprised a lot of people who thought, despite the fact that it really didn't make any sense for vaccinated people to continue to have to wear masks, since we're told that's the reason you get the vaccination, I, I, the, the CDC has been extremely, I think I would argue, overly cautious. But now they've said, hey, you, you know, if you're vaccinated, you know, you, you do not need to wear the mask. Now, admittedly, part of the problem is knowing who is vaccinated and who isn't. But if you're vaccinated, you know, you're you're safe um, from getting it. And as a practical matter, you can't give it to anyone. So are you ready to start going back into stores without wearing masks? Me, the answer is, is yes. And more and more stores are now following suit in areas and jurisdictions that don't have mask mandates. They're saying, come on in. Let's start with Danny in West Dallas. Danny, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Real well, thank you. What do you think? Uh, I have no problems with not wearing a mask. Um, the only issue that I have is I work in retail in the Waukesha area. So I've got people, you know, that come in without the masks on. That's fine. I've got people that still come in with the masks that are almost, they're almost one step shy of a hazmat suit. Where they're wearing, you know, the, the mask and the gloves. Mm-hmm. And the only problem I have with them wearing gloves is I never see them change them. They pump their gas. They go ahead and do what they got to do. They come in. They hand me cash or their credit card. They still don't change the gloves. So I'm thinking, okay, you're balancing out one fear with not having the facts about another. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so I run into that. And then, of course, I hate it when I get the death stare when I walk into a store without one. And if I just happen to cough, oh my gosh, I got to look like I'm typhoid Mary. Well, I mean, I think Danny, that that is going to be one of the the adjustments, and and I think the pendulum is going to swing. For for the longest time, the attitude was where you have mask rules. If people go in and they don't follow them, you know, you get those dirty looks. And I'm I look. I, I'm, I'm a believer in following the rules. But now that the rules say you, you don't have to wear them, now that question is going to be, are those people still going to get dirty looks? You know, it's funny. I was listening to your story. Here's There's a story in the New York Times today. They're vaccinated and they're keeping their masks on maybe forever. Let me read you the first couple paragraphs. Whenever John Glickman heads out for groceries, he places an N95 mask over his face, tugs a cloth mask on top of it. He then pulls on a pair of goggles. He has used this safety protocol call for the past 14 months. It did not change when he contracted the coronavirus last November. It didn't budge when earlier this month he became fully vaccinated. And even though President Biden said on Thursday that fully vaccinated people do not have to wear a mask, Mr. Glickman said he planned to stay the course. In fact, he said he plans to do his grocery run double masked and goggled for at least the next five years. Right. To which I, I respond, well, if, if that's what you want to do, you know, go with God. That, that That's certainly your right. But I don't think it's reasonable to expect everybody else to um, do that. Uh, Jeff, the covid stuff needs to end. The vaccine is out and states like Florida are wide open and they have not had issues. Jeff, I'll continue to mask too many unvaccinated that I believe are thrilled to unmask and won't admit or care about those of us that are still struggling with being free to interact with others. Again, unfortunately, masks are and will be political. Very sad. Well, I guess I, my, my, my problem with my problem with that is that if you believe the science, once you're vaccinated, 
you're, you're not at risk. You're not at risk of getting it, and you're not at risk of giving it to someone. Uh, again, the, the meteors can crash. I understand that nothing's absolute, but you know, you, for all intents and purposes, once you are fully vaccinated, do not pose a, a threat. And again, I, I go back, there's the stories that the the, the number of people who get it, the breakthrough cases is very small, and the number of people who get it and are asymptomatic, that is, don't know they have a fever or something, that's that's just minuscule. Now, obviously, if you don't feel good, whether it's the flu or COVID or whatever, you, you would hope you would stay home and not expose yourself to other people. But I keep getting hung up on the idea of people who are fully vaccinated, they, they don't pose a risk as a general rule to other people, which is why I believe the CDC has said it's okay to go out in public if you are, in fact, fully vaccinated. 855-616-1620. Jeff, I think this is permission to feel safe. Um, Jeff, I will carry but not wear a mask unless a business requires or enforces it or someone is wearing too much cologne or perfume. Jeff, I went to both Menards and Home Depot yesterday in Appleton with no mask. They took down their signs. It did feel a little weird, but it's a sign we're headed in the right direction. I would say it was about 50-50 for masks, no masks. And and I think it's going to be that case for a while. And again, I have no problem. If you want to walk into the big box retailer and you feel more comfortable wearing a mask, for whatever reason, fine. I, there, there's there's no problem. And I don't think that you should be stigmatized. Jeff, the only store I ever wore a mask in was Menards during the whole mandate. Yes, um, I'm out wearing a, not wearing a mask. It feels great. I think it's like brand new. I think it is about time. Jeff, I'm fully vaccinated now. I went to Costco, Dunham Sports, and Walmart this weekend. Did not need a mask at their businesses. I consider it to be wonderful. Um, yeah, I think... I think that that's kind of the attitude that's out there. Jeff, I went into Sendex and Mequon yesterday. Their sign suggested using masks, CDC and local health department guidelines regarding masks. I didn't wear mine. I was the only one without, including all employees. I was at a restaurant Friday night. I was at a pl- and and this the, the, the guidelines were just rolling out. The policy where I was was that um, if you weren't vaccinated, they encouraged you to wear a mask, but of course there wasn't going to be a check. And they said for employees starting on Saturday, if the employees could show proof of vaccination, they would not have to wear masks. That, that, that was kind of the rule. Um, if they didn't, if they hadn't been vaccinated, well, then they would have to. All right. I, so I do think that you're starting to see a sea change here as, as more and more people recognize that the science behind this, the science says once you're vaccinated, you're, you're pretty much going to be okay, which is important for people to understand because it is the incentive to encourage people to get vaccinated. Then you don't need the masks and you should feel safe. Back with more in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> Jeff, I'm fully vaccinated. I am ready to stop wearing masks. Jeff, like you, I got COVID, later got vaccinated. On Saturday, I visited my local bar, sat outside, sans mask, without mask, that is, to have a beer, met up with several friends, and it felt great. It felt liberating. Yeah, I think that's the 
that's the case that you have stuff um, going there. Um, Jeff, I'm vaccinated, feel safe without a mask, but I worry about my grandkids being exposed to maskless, unvaccinated people. I won't bring them shopping with me until they get their vaccine. Jeff, um, I almost never wore a mask in the last 15 months. I will not want, wear one, nor will I be vaccinated. Well, that, that that's why I say if, for, if people... If people are saying, well, we, we need to be in lockdown until there is herd immunity, you're just you're not going to get herd immunity. I mean, I, look, I, I just I, I if, if herd immunity is 70 to 80 percent of the population, I just don't see that happening. Jeff, I'm in real estate. I love shaking hands. I can't wait for that to be acceptable again. I, I was at an event, big event with a lot of people, including lots of people I know. We were shaking hands Um we were shaking hands um, as well. Um, Jeff, I'm fully vaccinated. I'm still wearing the mask. I feel almost naked without it. I think we're moving too fast on this. Way too many people are not vaccinated, and those who refuse to wear masks are the same people who refuse to get vaccinated. I, I understand that point, but again, that's the, the people who are vaccinated and do not pose a risk to them. So that that's the that's the bigger thing. If if in fact if in fact you're vaccinated, you you don't pose a risk to other people. And at some point in time, do we have assumption of the risk? If if you're going to make the decision to go out and not wear a mask and not be vaccinated, whose whose responsibility is that ultimately? You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Uh, during this segment of the program tomorrow, we're going to be joined by uh, the senior senator from the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson. And we're going to be discussing a number of things with Senator Johnson. But one of the principal reasons he's coming on and one of the things we're going to be talking about is a letter that he sent to Governor Evers that was also signed off by the five Republican congressmen in the state of Wisconsin. We, we have eight congressmen or women um, representatives in the state of Wisconsin, five Republicans, three Democrats, letter signed by Scott Fitzgerald, Mike Gallagher, Glenn Grothman, Brian Stile, and Tom Tiffany, as well as Senator Johnson. The letter calls on Tony Evers to cut unemployment benefits in Wisconsin. Now, if we have, as d- have discussed, um, after COVID started, the, the economy just took a, a big-time hit. And what happened was you had a lot of people that lost their jobs and people didn't know how they were going to pay their rent and all these sort of things. And so what happened is the, the federal government signed off on giving people an unemployment benefit of 600 bucks on top of the, the benefit that they would get from the state. So this was meant, and the thinking behind this was, well, what we want to do is we, we want to we want to make sure that people don't lose their homes and that they've lost work. There's not jobs that are out there. We want to make sure that people don't lose their homes and aren't on the streets and can't afford to have food. So the federal government is going to come in and we're going to take extraordinary measures. I supported those at the time. The problem with that was that as time went on and the economy started to rebound and more employers started looking for work, by the time you know you'd look at the bonus, you get six hundred bucks and then you get an extra three hundred bucks from the state or three hundred and seventeen I think is what the average is, you know, you, you know, it paid people more not to look for jobs and not to work than it did to work. Well the the, the federal government recognized that and they rolled it back. 
So now the way it works is the federal government pays a, a maximum. They'll give you $300 on top of what the state will give you. So the way it works right now is in, in Wisconsin, um, you can you can get between 370 and $670. So the typical benefit is like 314 bucks. So you get an extra 300 bucks, so that's $614 a month. That translates into, you know, unless you're making more than $15 an hour, there's no incentive for you to go back to work. On top of that, Wisconsin has waived the requirement that unemployment recipients go out and look for work. And, and and I get it. They they did it, you know, months and months ago when they were concerned about COVID and that people weren't hiring anyways. Well, that whole dynamic has changed. Employers are desperate to find people. But the problem is, and I understand this, for folks who are in jobs that they don't particularly like to do, jobs that don't aren't necessarily or at least not perceived as being hey this is this is this gateway to you know some other like greater job uh, and if somebody would say to you okay you can make more money by not working or alternatively you can make almost as much money sitting home on your butt watching tv as you can going to work well of course you're going to stay home that that's just that's human nature and that is what lots and lots of people are doing so a number of governors i think the last count was at least 12 republican governors had already told um president biden we're we're, we're refusing we don't want this extra 300 dollars a week for our unemployment recipients because we believe it is discouraging people from going back to work ron johnson and five Republican congressmen now sent a letter to Tony Evers saying we should do this as as well. Senator Johnson's quoted as saying the biggest problem businesses in Wisconsin now face are finding people willing to turn down government subsidies to go back to work. All right. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should Wisconsin join the group of, of other states which are now saying, look, the economy is back. We can't get people to fill the jobs. So let's say no to this 300 bucks. Right now, if you ask me when this hiring shortage ends, well, it ends at the end of September when that 300 bucks goes away, because I'm pretty sure that it's not going to be extended. But that means for the entire summer, you're going to have employers who are going to be competing against the taxpayers paid subsidies for people not to work. So Ron Johnson, the Republican congressman, say to Tony Evers, it's time to do what a number of other governors are doing. Just say no to the 300 bucks. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text line is this the right way to go we discuss in a moment the biggest names in wisconsin the ones who call the badger state home libby collins goes one-on-one with the movers shakers and creators every saturday morning at five and sunday morning at 11 wtmj conversation saturdays at five and sundays at 11 Hey, are you a nonprofit organization? Do you need to raise funds for your sports team, your high school, your college, or your church group? Well, you can the fast and the fund way. It's been just announced that American Family Field is going to return to 100% capacity starting June 25th. Milwaukee Sports Service has helped hundreds of groups raise millions of dollars working at the many wonderful concession stands. Look, this is a great deal for everybody. The more games you work, the more money you make. So come on. 
spend a day at the ballpark, and start raising funds now. Go to BaseballNonprofit.com. That's one word, BaseballNonprofit.com. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, so basically all of us essential workers who had to work the past year while everyone else sat home, we get messed over, although that's not the word the person uses again. Well, um yeah, sort of. I, I guess that that's that that's that's part of the thing. That that's right. If you were in a situation where, for example, again, let's take somebody who's making sixteen bucks an hour. All right, making sixteen bucks an hour, your your coworker gets laid off. You did not get laid off. Yes, your coworker made more than you um, by by sitting at home. Yep, that's exactly what um, happened. Jeff, I was on unemployment uh, last year, not due to COVID. If my employer had asked me back to work and I didn't accept, my benefit ceased. Well, yes, that's technically how how it works, but that doesn't help the people. Let's say it's it's not that you've been laid off. What if or your employer's closed? Your employer's not calling people back. So you have this giant mass of people out there who aren't required now to look for work in Wisconsin. So you have all sorts of, you know, work that the employers, they they can't get people to go. If I'm running, you know, Jeff's widget company and um, you've been laid off from a a workforce that a a business that, for example, is now closed. All right. I can't force you to come to Jeff's widget widget company and do that job. Um, Let's see, Jeff, didn't the president recently say in a press conference that unemployed workers are supposed to be doing a job search? It sounds like he doesn't even know um, the rules on unemployment. Well, rules, unemployment rules are state by state in Wisconsin. The rule has always said, yes, you've got to do X number of job-related activities, filling out applications, doing job training, etc. That was waived during COVID. And I understand it was waived a year ago because nobody was hiring. And so it became just sort of an academic enterprise exercise to make people go out and put in applications where people weren't hiring or businesses were closed. But that's changed, and the rules are still that way. David and Mequon. David, you're on WTMJ. Thanks, Jeff, for taking my call. Sure. Really quickly, um, this is impacting uh, small businesses, medium-sized businesses, a lot more than the large companies for the simple reason that they can start the, the large companies are starting to do more automation or, you know, like the self-checkout lanes and things like that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you can't make a career of just collecting a check for doing nothing. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. You're, you're totally destroying the incentive to to work to get ahead to advance yourself as a person as an individual as a worker right. so i do i do highly uh think that it, it's it's past time right and uh you know it's time to rescind it well see and, and david your point is what unemployment has always been about unemployment was always a a, a, a it was a safety net 
to stop people for from temporary unemployment. For you know, you, you lose the job. The expectation is you're going to be able to find another one. That's why up until recently, we we never paid people so much on unemployment that there was any that there was an incentive to not work. That, that that's just that that was always it. We want you to be able to go back to to work. And what we found, if yeah. you remember, remember during the the big recession like 2008 and 2009, one of the things is that unemployment, which typically was like six months in some states they, they extended to 18 months or, or two years and what happened is mysteriously after they finally started ending it well that's when everybody went back to work it's just it, that's right yeah no thanks i mean it's it's a safety net and that's what it's always been not something that's designed to number one replace your full income Number two, it's not been something that's designed to compete with the with the private sector. And I get people saying, "Well, this demonstrates, you know, why why wages are low. That if, if they would raise the the price, if they would raise what they pay, people would go back to work." I'm not sure I believe that. I, I mean, McDonald's, for example, just rolled out at all the corporate McDonald's, not the ones owned by franchises, but I think there's like 650 or 700 corporate McDonald's across the country. They're going to up the starting salary. The minimum wage is going to be 15 bucks an hour. Well, my, my guess is you're still, a lot of those jobs are still going to go, go begging until, until the unemployment that they're paying um, you know, ends up going away because if you can make, I don't care if you're making 15 bucks an hour, if you can make 17 bucks an hour not doing anything, of course you're going to make the $17 not doing anything. Jeff, this is long overdue. My friend is able to cover his bills with his unemployment payments. Um, and, and by the way, typically if you're getting unemployment, a lot of people, it's not just unemployment. They're getting all sorts of other government benefits as well. Anyhow, this is long overdue. My friend is able to cover his bills with unemployment, so he's vacationing. He's riding his Harley. He says he's not going to look for work until he absolutely has to. Um, you know, that's that's it. Jeff, unemployment was meant to be a trampoline, not a hammock. Um, right. Absolutely. Say no to the $300 and get people back to work. Besides the effects on the economy, what about the effects on people? Are we really helping people by incentivizing them not to work? Um, you know, doesn't Goodwill talk about the dignity of work? Well, there, there is, there is an element, I, I think, to that. And I think if you get to a point in a society where the government is giving you an incentive not to go back to work, how do you have economic growth? I mean, if look, if, if you've got em- employers that are out there and the job is objectively worth 15 bucks an hour. Okay, that's the thing. We, we want $15 an hour minimum wages. So you say, okay, I'm you know, we won't even argue about whether the job is really worth 12 bucks an hour. We'll pay 15. But even if paying 15 doesn't give people an incentive to go back to work, what, what does that mean? I will, and our caller touched on this um, just a moment ago, the other thing that's going to happen is this is going to rush automation. And, and by that, I mean there's all sorts of jobs right now that have traditionally been manned by people. And, and employers have been a little bit reluctant maybe to go fully automated. The the fast food industry is a great example of that. You know, what about, you know, the ordering kiosks where you you go in and, you know, instead of actually talking to a person and saying, hey, I want a quarter pounder with cheese, extra value meal and a Diet Coke, you just push those buttons in and then you go up to the counter and you get it. Well, okay, that maybe so then you can do away with three of the people that work at the counter and only have one. Well, 
historically the employers haven't done it because maybe there's a little bit of resistance among customers, but also what ends up happening is that it, there's, it's expensive to put in that automation. Well, if you can't find workers, well, you, you pretty much have no choice to put in the automation. And then once you've made that investment, it, it just changes. The example of that I always give is if, if you've ever been to like a, a racetrack, for example, you always, you, you would go into like Arlington Racetrack. This is the last year they're going to be running horses at Arlington, it appears. And, and you'd want to go up and place a bet. Well, there were, there were dozens and dozens of, of people that would take the, they, they print out the tickets. Now you go down there and I haven't been there in two years, but there's maybe a half dozen actual people. Most people just go to the betting machines and they do it themselves. They had the machines, they put in the money, they put in the automation and people became extraneous. I, I think, you know, it's entirely possible that we're looking at something like that as well. We have to get people back to work. We're going to talk more about this with Ron Johnson during the one thirty hour of the program tomorrow. Back with more in just a minute. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, I participated in something that was really cool and fun on, on Saturday during the day. I have some friends who are incredibly generous, and for the last 30 years, they have been doing, well, they, they call it a spring fling, and de- depending on when Easter is, it's, it's kind of like an Easter egg hunt. They, they have a big property, and what they do is they, they have a giant party for, for friends and friends of friends and people that work at the company, they own all that stuff, um, and, and they get just a ton of, of candy. And what they do is they, Fran helps them, helps them set it up. They, they spread the candy. It's like, it's like a candy hunt. They just, I love that. Like bags and bags and bags of candy, and they just kind of throw it out on the lawn, and all these kids come with like their baskets and stuff, and Aww. they, and they, they, they gather up the candy. And, um, for the adults, they have like, um, well, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, <laughs> and it, it's, it's, and, and like deviled eggs and things like that. Oh, and, like mini bottles of booze? Well, no, there's, not, there's, there's bloody <laughs> Marys to be had oh, and okay. beer and stuff. And so Fran goes and helps, helps our, our friends Mike and Kathy, helps them set it up. And I, I, I kind of show up and then end up get drafted, like throwing out candy and stuff. Yeah. But there, there must have been, there, there were probably 400 people if there oh were, and it's like 10.30 in the morning and it runs, I left around like 12 or so, but all these people bring the kids and they're so cute, you know, just watching them run across the lawn, like gathering candy and things like that. I mean, it's just a lot of fun. Oh, that's adorable. You know, and I think because we've had a year like we've had just to see something like that, right. it's refreshing. It's like it, renewing. It's it, it, all of that. It is. There, there was this one... There was this one one child there. It was kind of funny. The kid, I mean, probably like six years old, and he had one of those Sendex like red shopping bags. Oh yeah, I love those. And it he, it was full of candy. <laughs> I mean, we're talking. We throw a lot of candy. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, and it's and th- this kid had one of these like red shopping bags, and it was full to the brim of candy, and it was so full he couldn't carry it. He he'd like lift it and then like take two or three steps, and then kind of put it down. That's and a lucky then, kid. Like, well, that's exactly yeah. right. And we're going, huh? And we actually we we know the child's parents, and I, I don't think they're going to let him have that candy yeah. but it was it was kind of like the hunter gatherer thing have, it, yeah he, he would have done very well in in the hunter gatherer you know it, exactly era. i yeah. was thinking okay once your your mom and dad see that they're probably not going to let you eat it and i was sitting there thinking in the back of my mind maybe i should tell him you should start eating some of it but no, i didn't want to get involved didn't right, want to right. go down that route but sugar high it was just it was just it was kind of a lot of fun and oh. like you say it was very life-affirming to mm-hmm. see everybody out there having a good time That's and stuff so nice. and i'm always blown away by the generosity of this particular set of friends we have who who do this they've been doing this for 30 years you know and 
And that's a lot of people and a lot of kids that, you know, needed to get out, needed to get out and just enjoy enjoy the day, enjoy life. Absolutely. And in this case, you know, it's a grown up who certainly enjoyed the Bloody Mary bar (laughs) that they had out there. So that all worked out well. It was fun. You know, a number of people have been asking me, I've made a point of not talking about what's going on in the Middle East because... Well, it's it's just so incredibly complicated, and I mean, you, you've had you know, th- this has been going on for for decades. You can argue centuries, and every time you think you get some sort of peace program, you know what what happens happens. There, there's a different dynamic that's going on now because historically, the American government has been a friend of Israel. Let's let's understand what what's going on. You have you have. Um, you have in the, the Palestinians, um, who are and governed right now by by Hamas, and Hamas is a terrorist group. They, they, Hamas is a terrorist group that is bent on the destruction of Israel. Now, you can argue whether um, Palestinians have been treated fairly by by the Israeli government or not. That that's that's an issue. But Hamas is a terrorist group. And so what happens is Hamas, which is bent on the destruction of Israel, starts lobbing missiles into Israel. Now Israel then responds and starts fighting back, um, but you know they, they've got more missiles and a better equipped military than Hamas does, and so then what happens is you know people get upset about you know Israel's retaliation. Here's what the you know the Wall Street Journal says about this, and I think it's a really good editorial today: Israel, Hamas, Iran, and Biden. As the latest war between Hamas and Israel enters its second week, the narrative is following a familiar script: Hamas fires rockets at Israeli cities. Israel retaliates by bombing the source of the rockets in Gaza. Hamas plays up the civilian casualties, and the world leans on Israel to stop defending itself, which is precisely what some liberal Democrats are doing in Congress. Oh, we see this as a humanitarian thing. Israel is retaliating against Hamas. Well, Israel is fighting back because you have this terrorist group that's lobbing rockets into cities. Um, the our, the um, piece continues. Let's hope this isn't the trap the Biden administration falls into as the fighting continues. So far, the White House has supported Israel's right to self-defense. But the weekend bombings of a building in Gaza that housed media offices, including reporters from the Associated Press and Al Jazeera, has led to cries of outrage and an admonition from the State Department to Israel about protecting journalists in combat zones. But who's really endangering the journalists? Israel's government says the multi-story building was also used by Hamas for intelligence purposes. The Associated Press said it had no knowledge of this, but this wasn't the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Using civilians and journalists as shields is a common Hamas tactic, and Hamas isn't likely to have shared its plans with Western journalists. All right, and this goes on to talk about how, look, the, the bottom line is, well, this is what they say, the truth to keep in mind is that this conflict was started by Hamas and another radical outfit, the Islamic Jihad. They are attempting to kill Israeli citizens with rockets supplied by Iran or manufactured in Gaza with parts supplied by Iran. Hamas's rocket ar- arsenal is larger and more sophisticated than ever, and the Israeli Defense Forces said that as of Sunday, the Islamists had fired some 3,000 rockets into Israel. The miracle is that more Israelis haven't died, and that's due in large part to Israel's Iron Dome missile defense system. 
Um, once Hamas starts one of these rocket offenses, Israel has an obligation to its own people to degrade the threat. This means attacking from underground tunnels where the weapons are made and stored. Um, okay, and then it goes on to say that, but this is the best summary I, I have of this. I, I try to think about if this were the United States, and if we were in a situation where you had, I don't know, people in Canada that decided we're going to start lobbing missiles into the United States, would there be any argument at all about the United States' right to, I don't know, respond to this in an effort to take out the missiles that were the launchers and the sites where the missiles might be stored and the tunnels that people were smuggling stuff through? Would we have any right to any argument about this? Of course not. And I, I think most people, I mean, there'd be some people who'd be wringing their hands saying, well, we can't do this. But most people, I think, would be taking the position, no, you, you knock out the missiles, you knock out the launchers, you're going to start lobbing missiles, trying to kill civilians yes you know there's going to be a retaliation and by the way the retaliation probably not necessarily going to be in kind you know we're we're going to take out we're going to take out the sources of the places where these rockets are coming from and it seems to me that's what's going on now now again there's all sorts of complicated issues that are here but you got to understand hamas is a terrorist group they're backed by iran their mission is to destroy israel and when they decide that they're going to start lobbing hundreds and hundreds or thousands and thousands of rockets into Israel with an attempt to try to kill civilians to expect that Israel is not going to be respond is not going to respond is just crazy and it's inappropriate and yet you have some people in Congress that are hand wringing oh this is a humanitarian problem you know there, there's civilians that are getting injured well that is unfortunate there's no question about it and maybe that's more reason for the the civilians to you know rise up and to get rid of Hamas, which, like I say, is nothing but a terrorist organization. I appreciate that it's all very, very complex. And Joe Biden, to his credit, throughout his entire career, has been a staunch defender of Israel. I hope, 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 hope that that does not change. Back with more in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Did the judge go too far? All right, here's a story. It involves a woman named Marquia Brown. She was convicted. She pled guilty to felony retail theft as party to a crime. She was accused of helping steal $2,655 worth of merchandise from a store at the Pleasant Prairie Outlet Mall. So got it? She's 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 involved in this, this shoplifting scheme. So she pleads guilty as part of the sentence. The circuit judge says, look, th- this is the deal. I'm, I'm going to put you I'm going to put you on probation. But um, there are certain conditions of this probation. She got 15 months in, in jail and then two years of, of probation on top of that. Here's what he said. He said, look, here's the deal as part of the probation. First of all, you can't have any contact with the present Pleasant Prairie outlet mall that you stole from. So, okay, you're, you're going to do your 15 months. When you get out, two years of probation, they call it extended supervision, but it's probation. You can't go back to the store that you ripped off. All right, that's number one. And number two, upon entering, upon entering any place that sells goods to the public, you must go up to the service desk and announce that you are on supervision for retail theft. 
So in other words, she has to go up if she walks into a Target store, if she walks into a Home Depot, if she walks into a Menards, whatever, she's got to go up and she's got to say, I'm on probation for retail theft. All right, so she she challenges this sentence. She said, look, I I think that this is unfair. It does nothing other than shame and humiliate me. Circuit court says, nope, I think this is appropriate. So she appeals this. She says, look, I think this is unfair. She goes to the Court of Appeals, and she says, look, I'm not... I'm not going to challenge the fact that they, I can't go back to the store that I helped rip off. I, I get that. But I don't think it is reasonable to tell me that every time I go into a, another store for the next two years, I have to go up and I have to tell that store that I'm on probation for felony theft. All right, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is unquestionably a, a form of, of sort of public shaming. And, and the judge, I think, wants to do this, and I think he wanted to do this as, as kind of a deterrent. You know, you hear these stories about how the parents find out that their kid has been shoplifting or doing something, and they make the kid walk with the sandwich board saying, I stole stuff from this store out in front of the store. All right, that, that's that kind of shaming. In this case, the judge is imposing it. The judge is saying, look, I, I want you to have to go do this. And I think, obviously, the hope is that she's going to be humiliated by this, and it's going to make her less likely when she gets off of probation. It's going to make her less likely to go into another store and rip them off. She says, unfair to me. Don't think this helps with my rehabilitation. It's nothing but shaming, and it's beyond the judge's requirements. He shouldn't be allowed to impose this. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll tell you what I think about this, and I'll tell you what the Court of Appeals did with this in just a moment. But my question is, what do you think? Does the judge go too far in telling this convicted shoplifter or party to a crime of shoplifting that, you know, for the next couple of years, you're going to have to go in and you're going to have to tell these stores what it was that you did if you choose to go into the store in the first place? Is that unreasonable? We'll discuss it in just a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, I think the judge is correct. If you can't do the time, then you should not do the crime. Jeff, I don't see how this is even enforceable, but I think it's okay to ask her to do this as humiliating as it could be. Well, you know, enforcement is, is a different question, but of course, if she doesn't do it, then she's in violation of the terms and conditions of a release, and she could be sent back to jail. Jeff, I think this is a great punishment as long as she's on probation. Once she's off probation, has served her time, then she's paid her dues and should not have to do it anymore. Well, of course, once you know, once she's off probation, once she's off paper, the, the rules don't apply. But this would apply for the two years that she would have been on probation. Um, let's see, uh, a couple of people asking for enforcement. Jeff, we need more judges like this. I think it's appropriate. I think that she should be shamed. Jeff, it makes me think of the old saying, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Uh, Jeff, a little humility goes a long way. Maybe by doing this, she will think twice the next time she thinks to shoplift. Jeff, finally, a judge 
who's got some guts, although that's not what the texter says. But you get kind of the idea behind this. Um, Jeff, who knows if she's actually going to do this? Um, he's about as likely to carry through with this as people who don't believe in the vaccine are going to wear masks now. Um, I guess, the uh, Jeff, I think this is a great punishment. I do, too. I do, too. Now, here's the problem. The Wisconsin Court of Appeals in a unanimous decision that is unpublished. Now, there's two ways courts of appeals can rule. It, when You can have a decision which is published, which means it has precedential value. Then you have a decision which is not published. And decisions that are not published, in my experience, are ones where the, the court recognizes that it might be on shaky grounds and they're not supposed to be cited for precedent and things like that. The Court of Appeals, in an unpublished opinion, struck down this condition requiring her to go and, and give notice to all these different stores that, that she was, you know, in, in fact, on probation for theft. I don't have a problem with this. Now, I appreciate that some people are saying it might be difficult to enforce, but keep in mind that the, the judge didn't have to, the de- judge didn't have to release her and put her on extended supervision. The judge could have, like, sentenced her to a longer term in, in prison had he chose not, had he chose to do it. So he's letting her out. He's giving her a chance. But yes, I think that there is an element of shaming to this. But you know what? I, I think maybe. If we had more of that, if there was more of a stigma to bad behavior, maybe it would discourage more people from becoming repeat offenders. And if the word got out that, hey, you know, if you engage in this particular type of behavior and you get caught doing it, this is one of the things you're going to do. I always thought... I, I always loved the sandwich board sort of ideas, the fact that, you know, where as a condition of probation or a sentence, you'd, you'd be required if you, I don't know, if, if you shoplifted from a store where you'd have to stand in front of the store, you know, wearing that sandwich board saying, I shoplifted from this store. I think, you know, things like that, I think, do serve as a number one, a deterrent to an individual to uh, convince them, hey, don't do this again. And to that extent, maybe it helps with their rehabilitation because it does embarrass them. Now, this particular thing might have been overly broad because it applied to all stores, including like grocery stores and things of the like. But nonetheless, this idea, as we try to find ways to hold people accountable, I think this Racine County judge was on to something. And unfortunately, the state court of appeals doesn't agree. I don't know if the state of Wisconsin is going to appeal this to the to the state Supreme Court to see if they get a ruling or not. But right now, court of appeals threw out that the shaming portion of this, I think they might have made a mistake. Okay, that's it for me. When we come back, we'll find out what John and Melissa and Greg have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News.